Welcome to Forward Church Online. I am so glad that you decided to join us today, and I hope that you are blessed by this morning's service. We're in week number eight of this quarantine, but that is not going to stop us from worshiping our God together and to lifting up the name of Jesus and learning from his word. While the church building may be closed for a time, the church is still very, very alive and active. And I am so encouraged by the many stories that I've been hearing of you guys serving one another and helping one another out and by your commitment to Forward Church. It's been such a blessing to, to be a part of and to see. And if you're new to Forward Church, we're so glad that you are here with us and we would love for you to fill out a connect card on our brand new website at forwardchurchfamily.com. Go there and just check out what the site has to offer and click on the drop down titled connect and you will see the connect card tab to fill out. And that way we can serve you and we can minister to you the best way that we possibly can. Listen, today we are continuing our study straight through the Bible, and we come to the book of Joshua. And I love what Charles Spurgeon, who has been called the Prince of Preachers, has said about the book of Joshua. He said this, he said that it is a book about taking action and stepping out in faith. So Spurgeon specifically said this, he said Joshua was not to say to himself, these covenant engagements will surely be fulfilled, and I may therefore sit still and do nothing. God had decreed that the land should be conquered, and Joshua was to be diligent to lead people toward that battle. So if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are instructed continually throughout Scripture to be at work for Jesus. Christians are saved in order to serve him by the power of his Holy Spirit with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. So with Spurgeon's words in mind, as we study through Joshua, we study it realizing that God is calling us to step out in faith, to faithfully take action, and trust God to do what he promises that he will do. In Joshua chapter 2, Joshua sent out two spies, and the spies had escaped discovery with Rahab's help. And now they come back and they give their report to Joshua. And I can just imagine that their hearts were bursting with joy as they said the words of Joshua 2, found in verse 24. They said, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. This was the news Joshua had been waiting for. He'd been waiting so long for this, the word that they could finally enter into the promised land. So Joshua dispatched runners throughout the huge camp of Israel, announcing that first thing the next morning, they would break camp and they would head for the banks of the Jordan River. They would finally come to the entry point of the promised land. So Joshua starts early the next morning, and they went as far as the banks of the Jordan, and they stayed there before crossing. Now, I can just imagine the excitement among the people as they got near the promised land, as they got closer to that Jordan River so they could see across. But as they approached the Jordan River that formed a barrier between them and the promised land, what they saw was both confusing and dreadful. You see, the Jordan was now uncrossable. In verse 15, we read these words that give us a picture of what they were seeing in front of them. And it says, Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. 
So what was the gentle Jordan was now a raging river swelled to flood stage. Currents can reach up to 40 miles an hour when the Jordan River floods. Have you ever stood knee deep in a creek that is flowing quickly? I mean, it's difficult to keep your balance and to keep your footing. Imagine a flooded river. So here's the scene. The Jordan has overflowed its banks. It's spreading about a mile across, ranging in depth from 3 feet to 12 feet deep. And this was the site that greeted the Israelites as they stood alongside that river. And the Bible tells us that they spent the next three days right there with the flooded river. And I imagine that the longer they camped there near the raging waters, the less confident they were about crossing it. Doubt was entering the people's minds. There's no way to cross a flooded river, especially for thousands of people. You know, it's easy for us to relate to the emotions and the thoughts of Israel. So many of us face personal Jordans in our life that feel so permanent and powerful that we don't think we can make it across. Right now, we're at the edge of a flooded river that is called COVID-19. Unemployment, social distancing, and our lives feel stalled. We feel stuck on the wrong side of God's promises. We feel like we can't get across. We sit and we wait, and the river does not seem to be receding anytime soon, so that can cause anxiety and fear. We wonder how we'll ever make it across this flood that is in front of us. And the story of Joshua tells us this. With God, all things are possible. In Luke 18, 27, in the New Testament, it says it this way, What is impossible with man is possible with God. You see, God was about to reveal the steps to Joshua and to us that we must take if we are to move from grounded to grateful, if we are to move from fearful to faithful. As we stand on the banks of a life flooded with doubts and fears and anxieties regarding the future, you know, it can feel like we're facing an impossible task between here and there. But the Bible says nothing is impossible for our God. Our God who is the God of all creation. Our God who is God over every circumstance. Our God who is God over every fear and every doubt. He's, he's God over every joy and every pain. God knows how to get you from the flooded bank in front of you to his promised land. Now here on earth, that means delivering you from the fears and challenges of this world to joy and peace in the midst of the circumstances of this world, with him by your side. Beyond this world, that means eternity with him in heaven. If you just look at what he teaches Joshua, then we're going to learn a lot about stepping out in faith. Joshua 3, 2 through 4, here's what he says. He says, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Now, in this verse... In this text, what we're learning is, first of all, we have to learn to follow God. We have to learn to follow Him. The ark of God was to lead the way. God's giving them examples of, here's how you do this. And you might wonder why the ark is so important. Why did the ark of God have to lead the way? Well, we get a clue when we look inside of the ark. 
The Bible tells us what was inside the ark. The stone tablets were in there upon which the finger of God had written the Ten Commandments. They were inside the ark. And that was there as a sign to all of Israel for God's desire to have relationship with them. Well, there was also a pot of manna inside that ark. It's a reminder of God's gracious provision during the previous 40 years as they wandered through the wilderness. And one other item was included in that ark. It was Aaron's rod. It was a dead stick that miraculously grew leaves and almonds to validate the power of God, to use anything that he wills to accomplish his will down to the smallest detail. You see, these were the three historical reminders of God's love and his will and his provision and his power. So the ark was a monument of God's faithfulness to Israel, and it was to go out before them. But it was also so much more than just a monument. You see, on top of the ark was a gold plate called the mercy seat. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And over that, there were two statues of cherubim that, that knelt on each side. In Psalm 80 and 99, they describe God as enthroned upon the cherubim. God's presence was right there with them and that ark. So the ark was the Old Testament equivalent to Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, is the new ark, or the presence of God that we always have with us through our faith in him. So when this ark led the way, it meant God was leading out in front of them. God would, so to speak take the first steps into the river and into the promised land. So God was literally going before them. Their task was to follow his lead and to pursue his presence to come after him. And verse 4 lays out how they were to do this. In verse 4, it says, But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourself and the ark. In other words, don't go near it so that you can see the way to go for you haven't traveled this way before. So God was very particular about the distance that was to be kept from the ark, and his reasons are clear. He says he wanted all of Israel to be able to see which way God wanted them to go. Now, if the group in front crowded in too closely around the ark, then only a handful of people would have seen which way it was moving and which way God was going. So now you picture the scene. All of Israel is encamped on a sloping hill beside the Jordan River, and the ark is positioned 1,000 yards in front of them. So now everyone in the camp would be able to see where God was leading. And the priests would carry it by rods upon their shoulders as they walked toward the white waters of the Jordan. So everybody would understand the point that God intended for Israel to faithfully step into the floodwaters of the Jordan with him leading the way. But it could only be done if they focused on and followed God. Centuries later, we have the true ark of God who would come among us to guide us, to lead us into the promised land. Now, this is another example in the Old Testament of how every story whispers the name of Jesus. This is a foreshadowing of the Messiah that is to come. You see, the ark contained the Ten Commandments, or summation of the law. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. The ark contained the manna by which God fed them in the wilderness. Jesus is the bread of life in John 6. The ark held a symbol of God's power to bring life out of death with Aaron's staff. Jesus is alive from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. You see how it points to Jesus. 
Hebrews 12.2 calls us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Just like they look to the ark to follow God, we're to look to Jesus to follow God. We're all constantly entering into the future, step by step, moment by moment, with the instruction to keep our eyes on Jesus and let him lead our way into the flooding rivers of life. So as we gaze ahead of us at the challenges that are filled with words like pandemic and cancer and creditors and crisis, whatever challenges in front of you, it's easy to conclude that we're likely to drown in the flood that is in front of us and we get overwhelmed by it. And so many of us tend to give up and we live in fear and we live lives filled with anxiety. We can't see our way through the rushing water of our personal Jordan. So what do you do? What do you do when you're facing the impossible? You do what Peter did in Matthew chapter 14 when he walked on the water. You fix your eyes on Jesus. The minute Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he saw the raging sea around him, he remembered that people can't walk on water, and he started to sink. But as long as his eyes were on Jesus, he did the impossible. You see, we must all focus on and and follow the movements of our Lord so that where he leads, we will follow. Remember that all things are possible with God. Then with our eyes fixed on him, just like the Israelites had their eyes fixed on the ark of God, our next step is to consecrate ourselves. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Now, the Hebrew word for consecrate means to prepare yourself, to dedicate yourself, to be hallowed, to be holy, to separate or set yourself apart. God was telling his people that if they were going to cross the uncrossable and follow the will of the Lord, then they must be set apart to him. They must be holy. And that involved basically two things. First of all, personal repentance of every known sin. That's the first step towards holiness. One of the primary reasons Israel found their way to the promised land, they found it blocked, and the reason we find our way to heaven blocked is because of our sin. Isaiah the prophet wrote this in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 2. He said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So what is the effect of your sin and my sin? It's separation from God. Before they followed God across the Jordan, Israel was commanded to be certain that they were right with God, to examine their lives, confess and forsake their sins, and devote themselves wholly to the Lord so there was no separation. And secondly, they were expected to put themselves on spiritual alert to be able to see God at work. Consecration in the Old Testament also involved things like washing your clothes, changing your work schedule, prioritizing time to see God at work. You see, they deliberately interrupted good and normal functions in life by God's command in order to be on high spiritual alert. God was about to do amazing things among them, and they didn't want to miss it by being involved and distracted by things that they could do at other times. I hope that you are aware that this time of quarantine, it's the perfect time to be putting yourself on high spiritual alert. See, I believe God's about to do something big. He's at work through this time, and we do not want to miss what he is doing. We don't want to miss out on on what God is doing. Consecration means I'll set aside the typical, and I'll put my spirit on ready, on high alert to see where God is working around me. 
so that I can join him and I can follow him. So use this time wisely. Draw near to the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in his word. Make sure you see him clearly so that you can follow where he leads. So in quick review of what we learned so far, to cross the uncrossable, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, sensing his movements, and then follow him. And we've got to set ourselves apart. We've got to quiet our lives. We've got to be on high spiritual alert to watch for him where he's working around us. And if we've done these things, there remains one more thing that we are called to do. We're called to step out and stand still. If you look at verses 7 through 8, the Lord spoke to Joshua like this. He said this in verses 7 through 8. He said, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, and they may know that as I with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. You shall stand still in the Jordan. If you jump to verse 13, it then says, And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. The moment of truth has come. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant must step out into the floodwaters, and then they have to stand still right there. The command of God to step into the water called for them to get their feet wet, called for them to step out in faith. They didn't know what was coming next. Imagine stepping into raging floodwaters and trusting God for the next step. That's terrifying. So many of us want to know what's next. And God doesn't always show us what's next beyond that. He just shows us the next step. That's the faith element. We have to trust him that he has got us, that he will keep his promises. Faith moves you forward in God's way, in God's timing, for God's purpose. And there will come a moment when you must act faithfully on what God has said. And it will be terrifying, like stepping into raging floodwaters. But he calls you to trust him. So maybe today God is calling you to take the leap of faith and surrender your whole life to him. And it feels like you're stepping into floodwaters. It's terrifying because you don't know what comes after that. Trust him and repent of your sins and keep your eyes on him and he will guide you. Maybe he's calling you to begin tithing, giving him 10% of all you earn. And that feels like stepping into floodwaters. That is terrifying. Keep your eyes on him. Trust him to provide for you and to provide your needs through your obedience. Maybe it's stepping out of faith to trust him with your career or a relationship done his way. Fix your eyes on him, repent of your sins, take that step of faith, and then stand still and watch what God does. If you don't, you'll never cross the Jordan. Understand this, focusing on the Lord, that's essential. Consecrating yourself, setting, your part, uh, setting yourself apart to the Lord, that's vital. But we will never cross the river unless we take the step of faith. Our eyes and our hearts, they can be right on. But if we don't move our feet to meet the challenges, we'll never progress in God's work that he has for us. We have to commit ourselves, our time, our energy, our money, our lives to what God is doing or it won't happen. But let me quickly add something else here. You see, I want you to notice an element in their trust that is present in all true faith. 
After they stepped out in faith, they took action. After that, they stood still. Verse 8 says they stood still. Now, why? Why did God have them stay still? Well, to wait on the power of God. In all their activity, they maintained dependence upon God. Their standing still testified to the fact that everything came from God. God, we've taken our step of faith. Now we're going to wait and watch for you to work. They were acknowledging that it wasn't their work that changed anything. It was God and God alone. You see, they stepped out, and then they stood still. And then God began to do a great work, a miraculous work that allowed them to cross the flooded Jordan. Once they stepped out and then stood still, God separated the water so that they could cross. Listen, I long to see what God is going to do and what only God can do. A flooded Jordan stretches out before us. The challenges are too much for us. So we must believe nothing is too difficult for God. We must focus our hearts on Jesus and follow him. We must repent of all sin and set ourselves apart to Christ. And we must be ready to step out into the rushing waters of life by faith and then wait on the Lord to do his work. And when you do, you will find him faithful. Let me pray for you. God, we are so, so thankful. We're thankful, Lord, for your word. And God, many times life is just so difficult and life seems so terrifying in front of us and we feel like there's just a flooded river that we've got to try to cross and we're, we're so scared to step into the raging waters. But God, we believe that you've made promises to us and that you've promised to give us everlasting life. You've promised to bring us blessing in our life and to bring us peace and love and joy and, and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control and to have all those things in our life whenever we place our faith in Jesus. So God, I pray today that those who are watching that have not surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Lord, that they would take that leap of faith today. They would step into the raging waters of life and they would step in and then they would wait on you and they would watch what you do. And Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would begin to give love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to each and every follower of Jesus. As we face scary things like this pandemic, sickness, and, and um, the loss of jobs and unemployment, Lord, life can be scary, but I pray that we would fix our eyes on you that we would repent of our sinfulness that separates us from you. I pray that we would watch where you're moving and then we would follow. I pray that we would step out in faith and then we would wait to see what you do. And God, we know, we believe that you will be faithful. So God, we fix our eyes on you today and we thank you for the, the salvation that you bring us through your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Hope you guys have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you next weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our series, A Wandering People. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.